0: You're listening to the Viral Volley Podcast podcast. Now here's your host, Rob, on the mic.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to College Volleyball Weekly. It's sad for me to say that we have a lot of, it's a last for this season, uh, and but it's not before witnessing some of the best volleyball in the nation take place. And you may recognize these same familiar faces on the screen. Dan Friend of Lewis, Jay Hobson of George Mason, and Dave Hunt. That's all we can say. At least till midnight.
2: <laughs> yeah, until midnight. But yeah. they cut off his email.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait for that one. Yep. <laughs> hey, so we're going to do our PTI or our CRS edition again, just because it's gotten really good response. And it's going to be post-season tournament NCAA tournament-based. So, uh, we're gonna do it this way. Um, we'll go uh, Jay to Dan to Dave on the uh, answer rotation. Sound good? Perfect. Yeah, all right. Perfect. Question number one. That is, if they don't cut off Dave's internet before midnight, either.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> <Rob, laughs> He's not uh, in his hey. office,
1: so he's okay. Okay. Yeah. The biggest shocker slash upset in the conference tournaments was blank. Name the A versus B matchup, Jay.
0: Uh, I got to go Princeton over Penn state. I, I think when we were talking earlier in the year, Princeton was playing at a pretty high clip. Unfortunately, they had some days where they didn't look so good, but they went into that semifinal and Penn state looked a little bit. I don't want to say they overlooked them. That's the wrong thing. I, I know Pav prepares that team well, but it just looked like Penn state was not crisp. And so Penn Princeton took care of them. And uh, that to me, that was the biggest upset uh, over the course of the, of the entire thing.
3: Yep. Dan. Well, I certainly, I agree with Jay, but I, I have to throw in Purdue Fort Wayne over McKendry and then Loyola uh, to get themselves into a final for the first time in a long time and credit to rock and his guys and uh, making things happen. Both those matches on the road for sure for them and, uh, and creating a shot at ball state. So uh, uh, yeah, hats to those guys.
2: And Dave. Yeah, I agree with both of those. And then I gotta go with the MPSF. Uh the upset with Stanford over UCLA. And really, I mean, it was a crazy, what was it, 20 minutes? Penn State and UCLA both got knocked out in a matter of 20 minutes. So it was yeah, obviously I'm I'm a little, little bit biased towards that MPSF match.
1: Yeah, I'll have to jump on that one as well. Just seeing uh, Will Rotman perform and really step it up in that set number five
0: against UCLA. So Man, that was good volleyball. <laughs> well, what's really cool is that all three of us represent three different conferences and all three of us had a different upset that made an impact. And, you know, you don't have that in most years. And so I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty stoked to see that there are some teams that people didn't maybe think were going to make it all the way that made a, made a push. And, you know, there, there's some parity going on. That's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I, I'll have to say, you know, just uh, to mention the other conference, you know, Big West, you know, obviously Hawaii winning
1: out in Hawaii. Wasn't a surprise. It's the way they did it It is three sets and out and, or a three, one, but uh, even in conference, Carolina's, I thought KLE, my favorite name ever. I thought UMO is going to pull that NGU upset um, out there, but you know what? Dr. Fred Battenfield, I mean, it's easy to see why those guys won for him, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So next question, having all the competitors at the oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Jumped ahead. The blank. Suffered the largest NCAA
0: tournament selection show woes, Jay. The public, uh, I it just—it's not the, the the selection woes. I, I don't listen. We can we can talk all day about what team missed, what team didn't get in, that should have got in, what what RPI this team had, and what RPI on that team. Had. I don't care. I, I I'm I think the public is missing out on being able to watch all these things and the selection show wetted our appetite it gave us some really fun matches to look forward to and unfortunately trying to watch any of them with the exception of the finals was an absolute challenge so i think the
3: public is the one that missed out the most yep how about you dan <clears throat> well we missed out on seeing penn state and usc at the at that stage so i just for a tournament was expanded that's certainly. Uh, the first two teams that get in into that, but you can't leave anybody out that was in the tournament at the same time. And so I think, as Jay says, our fans are missing out on an expanded tournament with some really talented teams and in terms of committed, and I don't blame our selection group at all. They had a hard task and a hard job. And so uh, I thought they did a great job of trying to figure that out. And those guys are putting together a proposal to hopefully put us in a better spot here in the next year or so.
2: Yep. And Dave, <clears throat> Yeah, I agree with these two guys. Um, Yeah, I mean, Penn State won 18 matches in a row, right, in conference. And they ended up not making it. And I was critical of Hawaii's schedule this year. Uh, I was vocal about that. And they're the best team in the country. They won the national championship. They are the best team in the country. If they don't win against Long Beach, they probably don't make it, right? There There would be a coin flip, in essence. Penn State or them. And... I think you could choose either one. Obviously, now looking back, you could say, yeah. "Oh, Hawaii would have been the right selection," but if they would have taken Penn State and left Hawaii out, you know, all the Penn State fans would would have a strong argument. So it's just it's crazy to think that that would happen. And yeah. uh, there does need to be expansion, but maybe it just starts with like one or two tweets. Like maybe that's what would would be a good start. A little social media coverage would be, you know, <laughs> something that could push that.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Well, um, Vinny over and off the block tweeted uh, this out there. It said uh, it was the Hawaii winning back to back 12 hours after they had awarded the trophy. So uh, a <laughs> little delay there on the men's side, whereas uh, you had collegiate beach going on, you're having hundreds and hundreds of posts coming out from yep. both the uh, uh, NCAA and all the uh, different uh, organizations that are covering the sport. So we need, we need the NCAA to do better. <laughs> we need them yep. to do better. All right. We are going to go into the, that a little bit later, but the next question uh, is having all the competitors at the same tournament site for the first time ever was fill in the blank. Jake. The right move. Second.
2: The second right time move. ever, right? We did yeah, it last Second.
0: Year. It's the second time. Yeah.
2: yeah oh, it's the right move. There are move. no
0: fans in attendance. <laughs>
2: yeah, true. It's, it's the right move. And here's why. No fans, no streaming this year. It's all right. If, if, <laughs> we, if we were doing,
0: if we were doing regional matchups, regional quarterfinals, or, you know, even a first or second round that wasn't even that close to the quarterfinals, then I could understand not having it at the one location. We only have one location. So to have all these student athletes fight to get to the dance, so to speak for our sport, it should be held at the final location, whether or not you get to be a part of the final four dinner is a whole nother story. That's, you know, you have to earn that right to get to that point. And back in the day, when you made, when you won your tournament, when you made it to the final four, you automatically got to go to that dinner. And it was a fun time. It's awesome to be a part of. But you don't just get to go there because you made it to the dance. And that's where we are right now. It's kind of a transition period. But until that part happens where we expand and we have all these regional type things or, or whatever we want to do. The fact that we have all the matches at the final location gives the student athletes a great experience. It makes it easier for travel, makes it easier for scouting, makes it easier for families to travel and do all that stuff. It's the right move. And I'm glad that the NCAA is finally
3: uh, doing all that. All right. Dan? It's a testament to UCLA and the committee to make it happen. Because those are the guys that made it happen for these student athletes. And they actually treat it like an actual NCAA tournament game now where Back when we were the first ones to go in 14, we didn't even exist when we walked in the building to play a first round game, you know. But they give those kids patches now and they make them part of the tournament. They put the signage up. And so our committee is stretching the dollars pretty far in terms of what they're allowed in right now to spend. Cause just to make sure everybody remember, it's a 14 tournament. That's all the NCA cares about. Everything else is all playing games. Uh, and so they're working with this budget and stretching it. And then kudos to UCLA for putting on this kind of an awards banquet uh, that wasn't going to happen at all. Uh, they didn't have the full-fledged meal thing, but they did this awards banquet where these final four kids teams could be a part of it and, and mingle and get some more doers. And Rob did a great job on the mic, which was fantastic. You know I mean, in terms of that, so it was good. Thank you, Dan.
1: But I'll have to jump over to Dave for, I say my piece. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with Dan. It was Ohio State last year that stepped up and said, hey, we'll host uh, that first round match or playing or whatever you want to call it and Then UCLA. And the UCLA folks, I mean, we were there for the MPSF the week before. So uh, they did a great job. And um, yeah, I hope that keeps going because it has a good feel. And it was cool to see most of the teams there on Sunday night watching that first match and, and witnessing uh, something that was pretty historic.
1: What well, I wanted to add on was, you know, so I didn't even realize that the All-American banquet was a last minute coordination effort for a lot of people that were involved and considering that it was, it was a great night. And I'm not saying just cause I was MC hosting just to be clear, but <clears throat> following the team's social media um, to what Jay said about the experience of the tournament, the NCAA tournament was so huge because you could see it was refreshing to see that kind of gratitude of the athletes and just taking it all in, touring Santa Monica, going to the Hollywood sign, um, and just seeing uh, all the players that happened to be out of state. This trip was a first trip to California. They got to be in the big dance in their eyes, and they were loving every minute of it. So I think that inserted so much more energy and just reinstalled a stoke in me to see that men's volleyball has these kinds of personalities that are truly thankful for where they are at this time in the postseason.
0: Well, and that... And let, let's be honest. That helps with recruiting. It helps with the athletes talking their stories and, and feeding the future generations of their teams that come up, being able to say, "Hey, this is something I got." And it also gives an experience for these kids when they graduate to be at their next level, wherever it is they're doing, whether it's in real life or in coaching, to be able to talk story about something that was pretty cool that happened to them. I mean, that's isn't that why we do what we do? To be able to provide opportunities for these unique experiences for these student athletes to, to move on with their lives from that's that to me is the real victory right there. Yep. <clears throat> I do have to uh, feel ba- felt bad
1: on my uh, hit on the, the uh, I'm just say the ball state player regarding his choice of attire at the Santa Monica pier. Cause he stuck out like a true tourist. Uh, He's wearing his uh, Adidas slides with socks and his big baggy board shorts, taking a picture in front of the Santa Monica pier sign. I'm like, bro, Here's some rainbow sandals. I bought them for you. Wear them <laughs> next time you go out there.
3: <laughs> uh, he that knows right? Who he is? Fantastic. <laughs> hey, I'm sure Felix appreciated it. I'll say his name. For and then, <laughs> and then
2: he <laughs> couldn't play in. And then he couldn't play in the game because he took an impermissible benefit, and Rob screwed him over. So. <laughs> so, welcome to the NCAA. You know,
0: you know, Dave. Dave can probably attest to this because he was on the West Coast back in the day. So. When, when I used to be at UC Santa Cruz, you know, we would have teams like Ball State and Ohio State and guys come out and play us at, at various times. We could always tell when the East Coast teams or Midwest teams would come in because two things would happen. One, it would be 45 degrees outside for us, which is cold at the time. They'd be wearing shorts and flip-flops and you know T-shirts because they're like, this is amazing. And then secondly, they always have bleach tips on their haircuts. I don't know what that was for, but it was always... True. They had, they had bleached the tips of their head or they bleached their whole hair regardless. I don't, I don't know what that was for, but you know what? God bless them. That was, it was a, a cool story back in the day.
1: God bless them. Cause I don't have hair these days. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Donan Cruz, the AVCA and Miva
0: coach of the year is fill in the blank. Jay. The right call. I mean, uh, in both States, historically, what the oldest program in the country uh, or one of them um, had a number of years of, of, high levels of success and turned out lots of uh, Olympians and all Americans and all conference players uh, and conference championships, and then had a drought for a long time. And there was, listen, people understand both state wasn't fully funded for a long time. You know, and both everybody thinks both states, like just one of these teams in the Midwest and oh, well, they got all this money and this history and tradition. They weren't fully funded and they didn't have four and a half scholarships. They didn't have a lot of travel money. They, they didn't have all the bells and whistles of some of these other teams. And there was a moment they were going to drop the program. And, you know, Joel Walton stepped up and said, Hey, look, we got to do something to save this team and, and say what you will about what happened and why he's no longer there. I, I don't want to get involved in that conversation, but I will compartmentalize this. He and John Costi and Jeff Campbell Uh, and and a couple other coaches here and there that fought to keep their programs afloat when it seemed like the death knell was in front of them should be commended because those programs are still here. And how cool is it that at one point Stanford was on the death knell and now all of a sudden they win the conference championship. How cool is it that uh, Ball State was going to cut the program and cancel it and now they're in the semifinals of the national championship. And how cool is it that CSUN was going to cut their program and they've resurrected it now and now have full four and a half scholarships. And they're able now to compete at the highest levels. Those coaches are the real heroes and the people that supported them in their quest to keep those programs afloat are the real soldiers. And I commend all of those people for all those things. Dang, Jay for president. Let's, let's go over to
3: Dan. Why is Jay first? That was so good. I, I was, I'm like, that's great. Um, <laughs> uh, so Donut deserved it. Bottom line, did a great job. You know, he was smooth. He was calm. You know, he ran that program we on a uh, a great group of young men who, who worked hard to get where they were going. And uh, I, I commend him on his job and his staff. He's got a Lewis guy on staff, Dolo, Ion uh, Dolo as well as Rupert on that staff. So he, he could, he put a good staff together in a short period of time, got them to play in a short period of time. And, yeah, you certainly can't – I mean, Joel recruited those guys along with that previous staff, and Donan stepped in with a smooth transition and found a way to win uh, right away with that group. And so, uh, certainly there are other coaches that certainly are right there with Donan in terms of deserving the sport, but I think Donan did some things as a first-year coach that you don't see very often. So, yep.
2: And uh, finally, Dave. Yeah, it's impressive, and what's even cooler is uh, he did a great job at NAI school, and then he took over, and he's done well, and I I wish that more, more universities would go that route of hiring coaches that are proven, regardless of what level you're at, it's hard to run a program, and uh, just having to learn to make decisions, right? Assistants make a lot of suggestions, and head coaches have to make decisions, so I wish Uh, more programs will go that route. And as we grow they are going to have to.
1: Yeah. I got to meet him for the first time at the tournament. So, um, you know, first impressions, one of the most humble guys and another person, just grateful to be there. You can see the guys have bought into quickly into the philosophy that he's, he's um, teaching those guys in that program. And uh, he's coached a really good team. So uh, looking forward to great things from ball state. So, uh, next question. The Cinderella team of the NCAD 1-2 tournament was fill in the blank, Jay.
0: Uh, the tournament, NGU, North Greenville. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great Hollywood story. Fred Battenfield, you know, and all these people that on Volley Talk that are saying, oh, why is he calling himself a doctor? He's not really a doctor. Get <laughs> over yourselves. You're in the PhD. You earned the title of doctor. I'm just gonna call him Fred Battenfield, but you you people go have your own little stories, whatever. Anyways, Fred Battenfield started that program from scratch, and in seven years, turned that program into a conference winning team and made it to the Big Dance. And not only made it to the Big Dance, first team in conference Carolina's history to <coughs> advance past the playing game. So he's raising the bar. And if you know Fred Battenfield, you know how genuinely awesome of a human that guy is. He is just somebody who cares about people, cares about his kids, recruited people that he thought were going to be impactful players for him. How cool is that story? So, yeah, you know, listen, in in Hollywood, he wins the whole thing, right? I mean, that's what the movie North Shore is about and Mighty Ducks and all that stuff. It doesn't happen in real life. But how cool is it that you get a chance to be a part of that history that was a team that went from nothing to something and you won the first playing game ever. That's the starting momentum for teams in the future because you're going to see teams like North Greenville. Listen up, people. They're going to beat teams like UCLA. They're going to beat teams like Long Beach. They're going to beat teams like Hawaii someday. Not saying next year, but they're going to do it someday. Be prepared. It's going to happen. There we go. The J stick is stirred again. There we go. (laughs)
3: <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, yeah, North Greenville. Uh, I think uh, it was cool to see those guys come in in the first round and uh, upset uh, Princeton. You know, that was a that was a really good game by that group of guys and uh, steadfast and kept the pressure on Princeton. And even in that long third game, you saw them find ways to create some opportunities. And uh, and uh, you know, it was really neat. Uh, and I congratulate those guys and. Fred and his group and went in the tournament and then making a little bit of a run into the, uh, NCAA tournament, which is pretty cool.
1: Yep. And Dave.
2: <clears throat> yeah. I appreciate Jay's comedic relief and, uh, Dan's level headedness and I agree <laughs> with them both. <laughs> All right. I like that one there. Well, actually it's kind of a
1: continuation question, but you know, I'd never had the opportunity to meet, uh, Fred, but, uh, The next question is Dr. Fred Battenfield of NGU is
0: fill in the blank. Uh, Jay. Going to enjoy a couple of cold beverages on a beach somewhere this summer uh, and rightfully so. Yeah, I I think he's going to continue to be a professor at the university. I think he's teaching sports management classes, which (laughs) is pretty cool, but I mean, now he gets a chance to be a part of the history. Dave is probably aware of what it will feel like for the next coach to take over because, obviously, you know, Marv Dunphy, Doctor Marv Dunphy, if we will, um, you know, he stayed on as a as a as a coach emeritus and has been part of the university and and is and is maybe not there every single day, but Dave sees him quite often. So Fred Battenfield is going to be the exact same. I would assume he's, he's not going to just drop the program and never walk into the gym again. He's probably <laughs> going to go in. He's probably going to tell yeah. some stories. He's probably going to talk some folklore. He's probably going to pull a kid or two aside here and they and say, Hey, you know, you got some potential. I, I saw a lot of you, what I saw on a kid that I coached in the, you know, the big dance in 2022, whatever the case is. I mean, the, the guys earned it.
3: So super stoked. All right. Dan uh dr fred Batfield of engineers is a doctor just to clarify <laughs> that he got his doctorate degree so i want to make sure everybody understands that do you know I mean? so, uh no i i think uh he's a class act it was a good good feel good story for this year so uh, uh it was fun to read about him and some of the stuff they did with uh stories about uh his career and the things that he was doing and his commitment to the program and so uh uh you know i certainly probably will i think we'll hear about him even a little bit more down the road but yeah Congratulations
2: yep. again, uh, Kim. How about you, Dave? <clears throat> yeah, I'd say a, a trailblazer for his university. You know, I, I'd be interested to know how many times that university has gone on and had the success or gotten as far as, as he did this year. So I think that's cool. And I hopefully the university looks back and says, hey, that was the turning point where we were able to sustain some, some real good success.
1: Yep. I'll only add that. Uh, go to NG's website. Read his profile or his bio. He has been in the game working behind the scenes all the way from club all the way through the international Olympic levels. And I would have never known it. I had no idea that he was a huge piece of the Atlanta Olympics beach volleyball games Um, for, you know, it's, it's amazing seeing his resume of what he's been a part of all behind the scenes. And it was such a shocker because um, after seeing him in the press conference, after their, their loss in the NCAA tournament, he has got to be one of the most motivational guys that I've seen speak on a press conference row. Nothing but positive energy, um, so encouraging. I mean, he is such a huge asset to that, to volleyball period.
0: Um, well, and, and for those of you that don't know him, if you didn't know him, you wouldn't know who he was because he's not going to brag about the If you ask him, he'll tell you. I mean, there's no, it's not like he's going to go, I don't know who that was. But we all know people in the game. There are some, some strong personalities over the course of the years that when they walk into a room, you know what they've done because they've told you 10 times already. <laughs> he's not like that. He's, he's not like that. And that's the beauty of him, is that it's 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 so unassuming. And he's good. he's just he's just one of those people that you you, you just feel better after you've talked to him because he's just a great human being. Yep. All right, so definitely wanted to get that
1: out there, just because it's such an amazing individual that you know, just uh, you know, so impressive for, for a first meet. So uh, next question: Ball State put on a blank performance at the
0: NCAA tournament. Jake, <clears throat> uh, I—that's I, a really tough question. You caught me off guard there. I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, they went five. They—they they came back. They almost pulled the reverse sweep. I—I—I was—I was—I wish they had another match prior against a team that was quality that they would have won so that people would understand if you haven't been paying attention to ball state all year, they're really that good. I wish the match was maybe back and forth. One game, one game, one game, one game. And then it was, team.
3: it I was, th- I'm going to clarify you before you get into that. So. I thought it was a reverse sweep. No, nope, No. So You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I,
0: I, 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 I bring back my comment, but if they would have seen another match, regardless of that whole thing, if they would have seen another match, regardless, they would have seen how good ball state really is. I mean, their defense is really solid. Their players are literally at all. It's almost like they're standing still because they're just reading so quickly and reacting to what's coming at them as opposed to a lot of teams. It seems like there's just a lot of excess movement going on. They're really solid in that game. And Isaacson, I, I I hope that guy's signing a contract soon. I haven't seen anything yet, but that kid's really good. And he wasn't that good when he first got there. I mean, he was he was a decent setter, but he has he has really blossomed into this top level setter at Division One that deserves a shot to go make some money overseas for sure. And maybe on the national team for that matter. Yep.
3: About you, Dan. <clears throat> I, I thought Bull State put on a, a really solid show. I sat there sideline watching the whole game and they win game one. They ended up losing game one in extra points. Uh, they started off a little slow in game one, uh, but then, you know, Caleb was a little bit tight, uh, but they uh, they settled in and almost took game one. And if they do, you're not seeing Hawaii win a national championship because uh, they go into that next game and they win that next game with a pretty good lead uh, in terms of that. Then go on to win game three, and they're going into game four, and Hawaii's down 2-1, and you're looking at Ball State going, hey, they could be making the final right now. And uh, uh, Hawaii found a groove. And then I uh, get you got into that fifth game and uh, Hawaii put a ton of serving pressure on them and really responded on their side and uh, kind of capitalized in that fifth game. So I was certainly impressed with Ball State. And I'll reiterate the defensive piece. They played some pretty darn good defense, uh, but they blocked. They blocked 18 balls or 19 balls, if I remember correctly, on that match and really put up a wall on those guys. And you know, Quinn was certainly that steadfast guy that was solid all the way through the match for those guys. And so, but, uh, you know, Belly um, served a couple of aces, I remember, and uh, put some pressure on them in game five. But uh, and just so you know, on Quint, I'm pretty sure he's already signed a contract and an agent, and he is in the USA gym, I think, this summer. So all things that are going to happen for him, and uh, he's a solid kid and uh, certainly has a uh, talent-wise that does some really good things. Good for him. <clears throat> good for him.
2: All right, Dave. Yeah, uh, they performed as expected because they played well all year. And Hawaii usually outblocks teams, and the margin was significant. And Hawaii doesn't usually get blocked or make errors. And they you know kept their hitting efficiency pretty low for the most part. So that alone should tell you how good they were because then you look at the match the next night. The two best teams were there, and and Hawaii – uh, perform statistically uh,
1: great. Uh, <clears throat> uh, only uh, that I hadn't seen Angelus Mandelaris play in person. That kid has a cannon. <laughs> I and mean, the sound that's coming out the ball off his contacts was amazing. But, uh, you know, uh, Dan actually alluded to, as I mentioned, if, if, if someone didn't, but man, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the USA roster along with uh, Quinn Isaacson. Um, both Caleb Janes. That'll be hard.
2: That would be hard for Mandalaris to be on the USA roster. No, I mean, uh, it could happen.
1: Caleb and and Quinn,
2: right, Mandalaris would be on the Greek a roster. So, <laughs> Caleb,
3: Caleb will make some USA stuff. He's he's pigeon to be on some stuff this summer as well, uh, which he should be. So, and he's yeah, to Believe baseball.
0: me, there are, there are a lot of coaches around the country that that got contacted by Mandalaris that are upset that they couldn't figure out a way to get that kid on their roster. Trust me, <laughs> he looked. He looked around, and Ball State was able to do it. Yeah. He was definitely a a great
1: talent to see because I'd heard about him all through his Conference Carolina days, Barton, and then uh, hearing his name show up at Ball State and then seeing him actually play. I mean, Dan, you've seen him a bunch of times, obviously, in your conference, but, man, he is definitely a a talented athlete. So, uh, good score for Ball State. Obviously, uh, reaped the benefits of it this year. So, Next question, another NCAA semi-match question. UCLA could have advanced to the championship match if they and I put in parentheses, made what adjustments versus Long Beach State in their semi because again they were up 2-0 and then it came back to the first sweep. And then uh Jay, go for it.
0: They would have pulled a Nancy Kerrigan and taken her out by taking Nikoloff out by the knees. <laughs> that, that kid <laughs> that kid was ridiculous. There were some swings in the fifth game alone. I I, I could have sworn. I saw him go backwards towards the service line to hit a ball that direction and it had pace. You found spaces and holes and angles and you just you don't see from kids in America as a freshman. Kids are freshmen making those kinds <laughs> of swings. Like I, I stood up in my room, I was alone. My wife went to sleep. I'm watching a match and I'm standing up going, you gotta be hipy kid, kid, that's ridiculous that kid's going to make a lot of money in about 48 weeks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're hoping a little sooner.
0: Hopefully a little sooner. That kid was ridiculous (laughs) with those swings. Yeah. You got to take out Nikolov. That, that was, that was the reason why UCLA couldn't figure it out. And UCLA played masterfully uh, until Nikolov flipped the switch. Yep. How about Dan? Go for it.
3: Less errors. (laughs) Just make less errors and give yourself an opportunity. I don't know the exact count as they got in the game three, four, and five, but, you know, just make a few less errors. So you are playing some, some cleaner volleyball. And I think they might've opened the door, but they opened the door for Nikolov to kill the ball from anywhere and everywhere at some points. And uh, that would be mine.
2: Yep. How about you, Dave? Yeah, I, I think framing that question uh, sort of takes away credit from Long Beach state. So I would say, It was more so the adjustments that Long Beach State made. They started to play better. They started to serve the ball real well. And um, so I don't want to take anything away from Long Beach State. So I'm going to say Long Beach State just, you know, stepped up versus UCLA, sort of choked it away or, you know, didn't adjust or whatever.
1: Right. Well, being at the end line, uh, just watching that match as a spectator, you know, UCLA came out so hot serving-wise. Toughest serving in the first two sets. And I felt like something – either a switch flipped off because they just weren't as consistent then they started getting apprehensive at the service line we started seeing more errors three four and five so um but then again nikolov kind of took over as well so i mean the kid's amazing you know i saw him a bunch of times this year at irvine watching all the big west tournament and now through here I and mean, he's just unstoppable and then going to the uh, all-american banquet he has a brother a younger brother that's right around the same height not as much meat on his bones yet but you know how many people are going to be probably watching him too. So if he plays volleyball. What? (laughs) (laughs) But the next question is a good transition. Alex Nikolov of Long Beach state played
0: like a fill in the blank in the NCAA tournament. Jay. Oh, he played like a true all American and a true, you know, player of the year. I mean, it's when you, when you look at historically the top teams that have won national championships Hmm. in the last umpteen years, there's always one superstar. There are a lot of really good role players that step up at the right moments. Great teams have usually three players that they can rotate around, you know, a couple of pins in a middle or a setter or a libero, whatever you want to do. But when you have that kind of a lineup, I mean, it, it, he's, he's the shining star. I mean, you've got Mason Briggs, arguably the best libero in the country. You've got Godbold who was arguably the best <laughs> recruit in the country in his position. I mean, he beat out Clisten Lawrence. Clisten Lawrence went home packing because he knew that Godbold was going to play. That, that kid's pretty good, you know, and, and in two of the matches against the wire of the year, he had over 300 kids, not bad. He's not chopped liver, you know, mm-hmm. and you got a, uh, you got a couple of the players here and there on Long Beach to bring you, but Nikola's the show. And when you, when you play, when it's easy to fly into the radar when nobody knows who you are, you know, but when he's nickel off, and everybody knows who that guy is, they're keen on that guy, and he still plays at that level. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how you that's how you shine. Yep. How about you, Dan, thoughts on Alex?
3: Well, he's a stud. I mean, he had over 40 kills in six sets and two <clears throat> matches, I believe, so, uh, something like that. I, there was some stat where he led the tournament in kills per game or something like that in terms of that. So it was pretty impressive uh, to watch him play, uh, and he has a supporting cast and. Unfortunately, I think Hawaii had a great game plan and he needed a little bit more help from his supporting cast and some of that stuff, do you know what I mean, in terms of that, but uh, he certainly carried them to a win in the semifinals and then uh, uh, was still impressive to watch in the finals. And so certainly a talented guy that we're going to hear a lot about in the next 10 years, not just NCA wise, but international wise as well.
2: Yep. And uh, Dave. <clears throat> yeah, you played, He played like a professional. Right, I'm not saying he is a professional. He can be a professional. Um, Yeah, not at all, not (laughs) at all. But if you go back to the episodes to start the year, right, we were talking about him. Right, hey, this Bulgarian kid's pretty good. Hey, we saw him this summer uh, in Anaheim. This kid's a real deal. Hey, this guy just won MVP or you know, took his Bulgaria team to the championship in the U19 World Champs. This kid knows what he's doing. So. If you're a men's volleyball fan, you need to go watch him play in person because he will be one of the top five players in the world. He already has shown for his age group. He's one of the top five players in the world. And just enjoy it, right? Like if you're not a Long Beach State fan, but you're a fan of men's volleyball, just go watch him play volleyball and enjoy it because you're going to watch one of the best players in the world when they were young, and I think that's a cool thing.
3: I'm not sure I've ever seen a guy off the right back deck look as smooth as he has on whether he's attacking that ball or deciding to set that ball. it is, And at 6'9", you know what I mean? So it's like he's just, you know, it's pretty impressive to watch that. So Yeah. Did it a few times
1: in the uh, this week. Throwing the uh, blockers off, they had to commit on his jump, like he's coming out of the back row, and he set the ball to the right side. So, uh, yeah, and then Godbold was there, a little feast on that set at the right side. So, uh, next question, kind of a, a carryover from the pre- previous one, but Foreign players on American rosters will fill in the blank after this year. Jay? Uh,
0: increase, I think. Um, not only maybe with the top teams, I, I mean, it, obviously, you know, they're, they're the, the top 10 programs in the country are already getting emails and, and already out seeing kids. It's not like they're not aware of anybody. You know, there's not a lot of stones unturned. But what you're going to see is the, the next level of kid. Uh, maybe not Nikoloff level, but maybe Mandalaris level, who is going to start permeating the rosters of uh, the McKendries, the, the Bartons, the, the North Greenvilles, uh, the, the Long Islands. Um, you know, the, those, those teams have money and they don't necessarily get the top blue chip American kids to come. So where do they go? go to where they know they can get a kid who who is at that level that they can give a full ride to or really close Hmm. to it uh and and make their program good really quick so i think i think they've shown that this model works i think they've shown that you know these kids are 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 trained at a high level at a young age it's only going to increase i don't think it's going to decrease at all if anything you might see teams go the other way we're refusing foreign kids we're never going to get them we want all American kids. I'd be American. I'd be interested to see somebody step up with that viewpoint. I, I'm not of that. I've, I've got a foreign kid coming next year and I know these guys have foreign kids on their rosters occasionally. So, you know, but it'll be interesting to see.
3: Yep.
0: All right, Dan, you're up.
3: Actually I've had one foreign kid since I've been there, but that's a longer story on the Lewis moratorium uh, of not having international recruits. So we won't <laughs> dive into that. Uh, so, uh, but I think you're like Jay said, I think you're gonna to continue to see it increase. I mean, even I mean, I'm looking at more guys, and we might have one next year. and uh, so I think you're seeing that gonna kind of continue to increase. You're continuing to see it, like, the rules became really difficult back when everybody got in trouble in the early two thousands, then the rules have become looser now in terms of uh, what you can do and what players can do overseas, which uh, benefits those young kids' opportunities to come play. and so, uh, and then I see you're, you're seeing these kids want to come play again. Do you know what I mean? You're seeing that the 18, 19-year-olds want to come play and compete in the States. And so uh, there's certainly ebbs and flows with everything, but I think that ebb is continuing to be on its way up right now.
2: Yep. And then a Dave. <clears throat> I just hope that people understand, you know, the comments that Dan just made and, you know, just the humor in those. So if people <laughs> are going to be looking back, man, why didn't – did Lewis used to have a foreign player? That's weird. <laughs> I actually
1: alluded to it in the uh, AVCA
2: banquet in my introduction. Well, I like that Dan just said everyone got in trouble as opposed to... Uh, <laughs> I won't say. Well, and, and um, Go
0: ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I thought you were, I thought you were just making a quip. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, oh. no. Well, I mean, what's sad is, I mean, not everyone, but some of those guys that were ineligible in the early 2000s, some, would be fine now right? Because they changed the rules to be a little more realistic, but I think it just makes, makes things more competitive, it makes teams more competitive, makes the U S players learn how to play the game a little better. I think it's, that's what competing is. So foreign players, good foreign players will make it. And any coach wants to get a talented player in their program. That's what it is.
0: Well, and, and a byproduct of that is just twofold that I see these young kids, the 12, 13, 14 year old kids that are watching collegiate volleyball, are now seeing foreign kids do things that they've never seen Americans kids do on a consistent basis, which is exactly what Nikoloff and all those guys were doing back in Europe when they're watching their pro teams play when they were 12, 13, 14 years old. Right. So now there's that level up, but the other level up is that the, the, the second tier, third tier, top division, two top division, three teams are now going to see recruits that would normally be going to Pepperdine and USC and Lewis and all these big time schools. Now all of a sudden realize, shoot, I'm going to be number five or six on the depth chart. Now, now all of a sudden they drop down to a Damon, to a AIC, to a, you know, sacred heart, whatever the case is, that program is now going to level up. And so it's just, it's just going to make the boats when the tide rises, all the boats rise. Oh, look at that analogy there or that metaphor. Sorry. Metaphor. <laughs> That's deep.
1: <laughs> All right. Next question. The blank conference is the
0: best volleyball conference in the nation. Jay. Listen, I'm not saying it because Charlie Wade said it. I'm just saying it now because it's true for the last you know, couple of years. Big West is the, is the conference. And, and you know, it, it's, it's fluctuated over the years. Obviously, the West Coast has been, you know, reaping the 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 fruits of their labor all those years in the '80s and '90s, and and had a lot of banner, you know, years. You know, Penn State obviously was the first non-West Coast team in '94 to win it, which started the trend. Right, all of a sudden it was like, well, not trend, but they they showed that it could be done. And then all of a sudden, 2008 came, and then once 2008 came all of a sudden for the next 12 years or so, you saw teams like Loyola, you saw teams like uh, Ohio state, uh, you know, teams that were non West coast that were putting together runs that were really significant. And yeah, you know, it's going to, the pendulum's going to go back and forth and you're going to find, you know, every once in a while, a a coach gets a great recruiting class. And all of a sudden they've got a nice run for two or three years, you know, and you just, you just kind of, it is what it is. But right now, the Big West is probably the best, top to bottom, maybe, but they're definitely the top team, top conference for the championship teams, that's for sure. Yep.
3: All right, Dan, your shot. Well, Rock would tell you the MIVA is the best conference, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you that I agree with Jay, and it's the Big West. I mean, in terms of that, so uh, you can't be one and two uh, and not be the best conference right now in terms of. Uh, the, the what they're doing right now. Do you know what I mean? And so, but yeah, I, I like where volleyball's headed. Like, uh, I think you've got certainly, uh, you know, teams are carrying a, a heavier load in terms of the competition. We're seeing better competition across the board. And so teams like NJIT and Princeton and, you know, Mason, like all these teams are four or five, six teams deep in terms of what they're competing on their conferences, and which was so much better than it was 10 years ago. Uh, in terms of where we are at. And so it just, it's great for volleyball. It's great for the growth. And you influx the foreign kids and the American kids continue to get better. And so, and we continue to add programs. And so but the Big West, for sure. All
2: right, Dave. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you would be stupid to not say the Big West. They won the last four championships, they just had the teams in the finals. I don't even think it's really a debate, but. I, I do think volleyball has gotten better across the country, and I think the club coaches don't get nearly enough credit. Kids coming into college gyms are much more advanced. They know more tactics. They, they're better fit for the college game because club coaches across the country are doing a better job. The club coaches don't get paid anything. It's, it's their work. It's really laying the foundation for good volleyball across the country.
0: No. And here I thought Dave was going to say the conference Carolinas is going to be the next conference. Uh, <laughs> it was the top conference. I, I <laughs> thought you were going to go there. I thought you no. were going to
1: do. It. No. Yeah. The only piece I'll add is in the Big West. You realize five of the of the six teams, all those players are pretty much returning on all their rosters because they're all junior sophomore. Um, Hawaii, Long Beach, Santa Barbara, Northridge is even younger, and they. I mean, had they had the extra month of training this year, who knows what they could have done and Irvine. So uh, yeah, some scary competition happened in the big West. And I'm not saying, cause I'm, that's my Homer conference, but you know, I just was looking at Ross and like,
0: man, it's going to be a tough battle. There's <laughs> a lot of teams that are returning everybody next year. Penn state's returning everybody. <laughs> that's right, your favorite state's one. Returning everybody. Uh, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. Paul Paul's State good. Is not. Yay! <laughs> you know, but it's, it's COVID is, has created these super teams that these guys have been together for four or five, six years. And it's fun volleyball to watch because it's really good. It's really good volleyball. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the, the question of questions. Whew. I know this one could could stoke some fires broadcast and streaming of the entire NCAA men's tournament was fill in the blank. I, I almost think like I should go out of a different order on this one. Um, I'm going to start with Dan on this one to Jay to Dave.
2: <laughs> I don't coach uh, men's volleyball. So I got to go last now. That's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have till midnight tonight. <laughs> oh yeah. Before, yeah, yeah so,
3: so as you're sitting states uh i'm gonna go for the word forgotten just so you know, you know what i mean but i don't want to discredit the people like um off the block and Vinny and the people that are are trying to do as much as they can for us even though we need a whole lot more that's not being done uh by the nca like you got to give the credit to rob you're there you're working i mean you know Paul and Barnett are both there watching from the sidelines and I think they would have worked if somebody actually said, hey, get on the air and go. And so it's like, you got people that want to be involved and want to do it, but we're not getting it done. And so there's a failure along the lines of the NCA and ESPN and, you know, and, and how do we get this going the right direction in terms of that? And so, and everybody's tweeting and trying to do their job and that's the best we can do. And that's how we have to push it. You can sit there and moan and complain, but I think the people that can are trying to do as much as they can and they're, and they're tweeting and they're hitting stuff and they're trying to get information out there and they're trying to make it a visible product. And it's a real fine line though, between complaining about it and actually doing something about it. Uh, and so I get some of the complaints and they're warranted, but get off your butt and then change it and make a move and do something. Uh, and so, and so there's some people that are doing that and there's some more people that with louder voices that can continue to do that and hopefully make kind of move that needle in terms of the, 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 stuff that we need for it.
0: Yep. And over to Jay. <clears throat> it's an Epic fail. It's an Epic fail. We are the fastest growing sport in the country at the high school level and college levels. And we had court 15 on the women's beach volleyball championships being shown when we could have shown the games that were being played throughout the week, trying to get access to conference championships, trying to get access to the NCAA's—you know—kudos to somebody somewhere for figuring it out a little bit. But it was, it was absolutely maniacal trying to get on and watch four great teams in national semifinals. This used to be played on ESPN two. Why is it not being played on ESPN two anymore? Because we want to watch axe throwing, or we want to watch cornhole.
2: Really? Well, there was bowling. There was some good bowling that night. That ah, uh, yes,
0: there. I forgot about that bowling. Yes, there there are some <laughs> sports that, that you know that that should be recognized. I'm not Cross trying to say shouldn't be, but you're the fastest growing sport in the country. How are we not on TV? How are we not? And that's the part that's the most upset. Dan's absolutely right. Vinny and you, Rob, and Barnett back in the day and all these people that are doing all they can to get volleyball some press and some release and just trying to get it out to the public and the NCAA is just sitting on their hands. And it's sad because we used to have voices that stood up to those kinds of things and spoke truth to power. And we don't have those right now because we're all concerned about our jobs. We're Listen, I would, I would hammer at the NCAA as much as I possibly can if I knew that my AD... Was it going to be calling me up the next day going, Hey, we got to have a conversation, right? Yeah. We got to be careful about things like that because it happens, but Mm -hmm. that's the part that sucks because we're missing while the iron is hot. We're not striking it. We're not taking advantage of this opportunity. And it's, it's sad because there was some great volleyball player last week and, and only a fraction of the people that wanted to watch it got a chance to watch it live. Yep.
3: Dave.
2: Yeah. I think it shows you what the NCAA thinks about men's volleyball. That's I mean, just look at the comparison, beach volleyball. I mean, it seemed like they were putting out a tweet or something on Instagram every five minutes. Um, it, it, it really is a slap in the face for all the people that do cover the sport and love the sport and, and really just do as much as they can. And, and I go back to, remember when John Cook and Kelly Sheffield Put out those tweets because you know the first round or something wasn't going to be broadcast the way they wanted during COVID or something, right? And that immediately got fixed. All of a sudden, ESPN: No, no, no we'll broadcast them all. <laughs> is
0: there is there some exploitation going on? Like we don't know what's going on. Yeah,
2: but Dan, Mom, what 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 is there to do? Right, you're saying like. Yeah, call to action. What would be the call to action? I don't even know yeah. what I'm asking. That is as an honest... Right, but here you go. Like, so,
3: Alan, Alan has a thing. There he goes. He gets prompted a question. But yep. who are our voices and how low, loud can they get? So, Charlie Wade to Hawaii. He's got some pull with ESPN. Hmm. You know what I mean? You know, his AD's got some pull. Do you know what I mean? Alan Knight. John Sprawl at UCLA. They, these are the, the figures in the front of our sport that certainly have connections with other people above and beyond that. Their AD's and their administrations at UCLA at Long Beach, at Hawaii, at Penn State, at Ohio State. You want to get some noise, find the people that can make some noise at the level that it needs to be made so our sport gets covered. We had it at Columbus. Their AD is a pretty powerful guy, do you know what I mean, in terms of that. Uh, you know what I mean? So you've got some people that have connections that could make some voices for us in terms of that uh, that might be able to help out. I think one of the other topics becomes is how do we get the championships off the beach weekend? And I am certainly – knee deep, trying to have a couple of conversations about how do we move that? You know, and it was a, it was in a symposium thing that I was on on Saturday. I think it's a big deal. It's like, how do we get it off the beach championships and make that happen? Do you know what I mean? And that's going to have to probably from come from a conference that's putting that, you know, forward and saying, Hey, we want to move this championship. And can we move it a week forward? And can we create some opportunities that maybe aren't there right now? Cause they're all in the same. And as a volleyball fan, I actually want to watch the beach stuff. Yeah. But I can't. Because I'm going
0: to focus on the men's stuff. So
3: please don't put them both on the same damn weekend, you know, in terms of that stuff. So well, and,
0: and, and let's 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 turn on the lights and let the cockroaches scatter a little bit. You know, I had a conversation with one of our friends at the ABCA a couple of years back. And they told me that when Alabama, South, South Alabama a, is, is where the beach championships are held, you know, it's a bidding process. Right you you bid four year cycles. You, you don't, it's not like the NCAA every year goes, Hey, we just want to see who wants to do it this year. It's not how it works. And for those of you in the, in the, in the know it's, this is a dumb moment, right? Dan understands this, Dave understands this, but for those of you not in the know it's a four year bidding cycle. So you, you people put money up to be able to host these things every year. Alabama put up so much money for a four year cycle. In an entire cycle, they put up so much money that USC came up with an insane amount of money. I don't even want to talk about, like, we all know what kind of money USC has. Let's just throw it there. They said it wasn't even half of what Alabama threw up in order to host and laughed at USC and said, you're not even close. That's a four-year cycle. And so when they came up with those dates, they locked in those dates because those are the ones that they want. So somebody somewhere either in the NCAA or the ABCA or whoever needs to say, listen, we as volleyball people need to stop bottling these things up into one weekend or one week. And let's spread them out a little bit. Let's have some love spread around the country.
3: Well, right? let's, give some, let's, let's give some clarity on, I mean, the ABCA, I'm going to tell you, doesn't have control over the bid cycle because we brought this conversation to the NCA it's like we want to change it I don't want to have to go four years out and bid this in terms of that you know what I mean from that standpoint and so that has to get changed on the NCA side and again it's another area where it's like hey you know we want to change this where it's not we're not these convention centers or we're not you know basketball in terms of you know that stuff it's like we should be able to do it two years and maybe we're we're trying to do something in terms of that. So that's another thing that really does need to get changed in terms of the bid cycle. Like I'm trying to figure out, Hey, who's four years from now, you know, in terms of that, it's, you know, but um that's a different
0: one as well. Yeah, so I'm It's not. crazy. It's crazy, but it, it's all about, it's all about this people. You want your <laughs> team to host, or you want to be on a different weekend, bring out your checkbooks. Cause it's going to cost a lot. Uh,
3: Dave, Dave hits it. Like the NCAA doesn't care about men's <clears throat> We're yeah. the ones that care about it. So it's it's got to be the people that care about it that make the changes and try to get in front of somebody that can tweak or do something or, you know, in terms of that. So, yeah,
0: no, I mean, I, we're using
3: the USOPC to try to get a few changes driven for Olympic sports. Certainly men's volleyball falls into that. And then men's volleyball will be able to use some of that because the USOPC needs to get involved in terms of helping all Olympic sports. You know, men's gymnastics are... I mean, they have 10 teams left. They're on the deathbed. Do you know how many medals they've created for us over the years? Yeah. So we're talking about our sport that's on the growth. Gymnastics is almost gone. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like oh. that, and that's just a whole other thing in terms of some of the Olympic sports from that stand. so it's like hopefully some of those changes can be driven by not only us, but USOPC, USA Volleyball, uh, and us trying to get some stuff done you know, uh, as the NCA goes through this trans- transformation process. Yeah. yeah.
1: In our last episode, uh, you know, one of the things that one of you had brought up was, remember back in the CSTV days, he had Geter and Dane on the call, high production quality. And that was back when 4-3 ratio on TVs was actually cool. And <laughs> we'd be watching the conference tournament finals all day on Saturday. And we were just all glued waiting for results because we knew the selection show was next day. But, yeah. I mean – That quality and the excitement, the personalities brought to the game, their knowledge, everything, man, I was hooked. in hearing the personalities that were there, seeing people playing, like your assistant, Paul Carroll, was in a few of those uh, battles on CSTV. um, Oh, yeah. Yep, back in the day, and there were some great matches. So would love to see it go back to that kind of of quality and and entertainment because technically it is one of the best sports to see, fast action Hard, harder hit balls even back uh, than those days. so well, and, and Alan,
0: Alan, Alan made a point in his video that, that I'm sure every college coach has retweeted when you get people that have not watched men's volleyball, you get them to come to a match. they come back repeatedly because they have never understood what vol- they, they all think volleyball is a backyard picnic sport you know it's like oh you know, we hit, we bumped the ball, we hit the ball it's fun. No, it's a powerful fun game to watch. And people that are not aware of it come, and all of a sudden, like this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I, I can't even tell you how many people have come that I've had come this year alone that have said, I, I, I'm coming back to every game. It's just the way that it is. And we're not even one of the best teams in the country. Imagine if you got to see Long Beach or Hawaii or any of these other great teams. Yep.
1: Well, seeing that growth, especially at Long Beach State, from the uh, early 2000s until now, crowd-wise, you, know, you were maybe getting consistently 400, 500. They're they're nearly filling the pyramid. I'm sorry, the Walter Pyramid, um, on a regular basis. No matter who the opponent is, they've just got a great following. Same thing with Hawaii, greatest fans, and and BYU always near capacity at their matches.
2: If if somebody you know last year, we for the ABCA did an interview, Alan and myself, and it was Alan talking about that exact thing, and that's twenty years of hard work and the administration buying in, and Andy Fee, who's their athletic director, really going all in on, on men's volleyball and volleyball in, on the whole. But if anybody has access to that, they should watch it. Alan does a great job articulating just what goes in to coaching. My mom thinks I, I roll in the gym and roll the balls, and but that's, that's what most of the men's coaches are doing, right? Promoting their program, getting people involved, in the community, right? Going and getting everyone to work together to try to put together a good product. So um that that recent six overnight success is Alan's twenty years of hard work. So that's a good job by him.
0: I, I could totally see Dave's mom coming in going, Dave, you rolled out the balls and it's so cute that it doesn't Why is my
2: down. mom foreign? I,
0: I don't <laughs> have no? an accent. Listen, I, I have wow. a foreign accent for everything. It's just how it works. <laughs> but that's what oh. I picture. She comes in, she gives sure. your te- cheeks
2: a little twist, and she, goes, hey, oh, man, you know she you know gives me a kiss on the cheek.
3: Yeah, she, was, yeah, she so. is
2: Italian, so that was like semi accurate, but, <laughs> but kisses my off. cheek. It wasn't even that my far cheek, off. and then she oh. asked why we missed so many serves. You guys just missed close <laughs> tonight. So.
1: Thanks, mom. Well, final question: Our NCAA CRS episode is this. The 2022 men's D1 two season will be known as a year of. Fill in the blank. I'm going to go backwards and go Dave to Dan to Jay.
2: Yeah, thanks. Um, (laughs) I think you saw some high-level pin attackers this year. So I don't know if you're ever going to see that again. We're talking about Nikolov, but Spiros in the final, his numbers were ridiculous, right? And, you know, he's a great player. Uh, And then uh, I don't know how to pronounce the opposite's name, but what they were able to do with him – if anybody wonders, uh, Milan's We
1: need for all you Hawaiian fans that listen in. So you you go. Go. Like David, him... invite him
2: to your islands thank you. again. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, Milan has a history of being able to develop some pretty good opposites, dating all the way back to the Serbian youth and junior teams. Um, so it's no surprise that Hawaii now can develop some pretty good opposites. Um, Ratto, obviously, Stein, before he was an All-American outside. And then just look at this guy's progression over the year. He didn't start off great, but all of a sudden as the year went on, he played better, 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 and just the things he was doing, he plays an all-around game, right? So kudos to that staff and and Milan. Milan's been doing it for years. It's no shock. Um, So I think you're just seeing a lot of just really good pin attackers. Caleb had a great year, got overshadowed a little bit, but I mean his numbers were unreal. Christian Jenkins, all American, hits 370 on the year, like crazy.
1: Yep. All right. This one over to Dan now. What well, outside you
3: know? of Penn, just the, the year that showcased again men's volleyball. The year before, we were in COVID, and everybody was in conference play, so there's no cross conference play, and uh, we got to see everybody and, and play at an extremely high level, and uh, lots of parity and upsets, and. Uh, you know lots of good things are happening so uh, it certainly made me excited again about the game and where we're headed in the direction whether it's North Greenville or the upsets in the conference tournament or you know uh, the the comeback stories from some players and some teams or any of that stuff I think uh, uh, it was exciting and fun and I think if you're a men's volleyball playing men's volleyball fan you you had to have a lot to uh, cheer about so it was great yep and then a Jay I'm
0: going to give the volley talkers a little love here in the beginning of the year, it was the year of, well, our team wasn't full strength and all year we saw matches happen between various teams. Ball state, Hawaii comes to mind. Uh, Ohio state comes to mind a couple, whatever the case is. And everybody said, well, our team wasn't full strength. Okay at some point you will become full strength, which as we saw towards the end of the year, and we saw that there are those teams that maybe didn't, and maybe they beat you early in the year. It's not like they just lost by a little bit. There's some pretty good teams. Ball state's still a good team and Hawaii won good for them, but ball state was still a pretty good team. And the rest of the country was trying to let you people know that, Hey, they're good. They're, you don't have to just slam them just because they're not Hawaiian because you'd have your full strength. You had your full strength. You won. We move on. I think the second one it's the year of the foreign player. This is the, this is the, we all know. And remember back in the days, there were always a, a, a spattering, if you will, of foreign players throughout the rosters. You know, UCLA had one here and there. USC had one. Ohio state had one. George Mason had one. Pepper and I had one. I mean, we all had them at some point, right? I mean Uval Cats was probably one of the first most prominent ones because that's when coverage became a little bit more more prominent for us so we all saw Uval Cats but now it is really becoming in the forefront of everybody's programs that are successful I mean Hawaii had what four or five guys starting that are on the court that are foreign and and that's that's pretty good people want to complain but hey that's what NJIT does That's what Barton does. That's what a couple of other schools do. And you can't fault anybody for that. They're just going where the players are that want to play in their programs and they're successful. So, you know, is it is it is it hurtful to the American system? I think we're going to be okay. I think we all get a little frustrated. because, like, geez, that kid's ridiculous. He's 18 years old and he's hitting like a 30 year old guy. who has been playing on the national team, getting paid a million dollars a year. I'm not saying he was paid a million dollars a year, just like Dave. Don't start writing me the hate mail. Don't start writing me the hate mail. But they play at that level. And you're just going to see that level continue to increase because, hey, we all want to win. We all want to get the right kids in the program. So I think that, for me, is what 2022 is going to be about and getting out of COVID, finally not having to wear masks all the time and all that stuff. So that part was wonderful.
3: But 2023, coming to fairfax <laughs> the the other thing to remember in the final last year there were seven foreigners between the two teams between byu and hawaii so it's two years in a row where you've had you know a, a good group of the uh, talented foreign athletes uh showcasing uh what they could do so and those kids th-
0: those coaches are going out to see those kids it's not like those kids are just showing up on campus in the fall going, hey, I'm here. And you're like, well, wow, that's a that's a random happenstance. Those administrations are spending money for those coaches to go out and see those kids. That's pretty cool.
1: I just want to say that they're you know, one of those kids from last year's national championship. Another great Eddie Murphy movie, Coming to America, Gabby Garcia Fernandez, just in case you missed the news. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well played. Well played, Rob. You get a golf <laughs> clap on that one. I had to insert somehow, some way that concludes our CRS segment, but I mean, there's other news I want to hit on. Um, I know we're going super long, but I mean, so much happened in the last two weeks that um, we were expecting to see, but I wanted to get them out there nonetheless. So we're seeing some assistant coaches leaving the men's side, jumping to the women's side. Uh, that's Spencer McLaughlin of UCLA going over to Indiana. Um, Josh, Over at Hawaii, um, the the, the Skywalker, Josh the Skywalker, uh, heading over to Baylor, and uh, I think that's on the assistant side, but um, on the men's side, there's some vacancies as well, Uh, Loyola, um, also out for uh, the the Ramblers, and sad, one of our faces on the screen, we're joking about it, Dave Hunt, uh, officially announced, I think on social today. Um, associate head coach of Texas. Uh, so let's show the new colors. There we go. <laughs> yeah. We expect him to gain at least 40 pounds from the barbecue at Rudy's Ooh. or one of the other places. <laughs> you got
3: Kevin Kevin left uh GCU to go to Auburn as well. So, yeah, uh, uh, in terms Keith. of goal. Keith, Keith, sorry, Keith.
2: Keith. Yeah,
3: sorry. So, uh, with that, you
1: know, we're, we're losing out some great talent that's been in the men's side, and you know, we. I wish the best to everyone. Uh, we know that, that, you know, right now you're looking for your family. So we get it, but um, what are your thoughts on guys going over like the top coaches on the men's side being, I guess, uh, tantalized by the women's side? It's hard to say no to given that the money is so different, but um, is it a different game? I guess is the other question I want to ask because, you know, seeing USA men's and women's there definitely is a difference in coaching strategies for both that's to me it's very obvious but in the college game i'm not sure so uh have a stab at you guys are the coaches you see the the nt players
3: Uh, well let's talk about so the game itself that all those programs that those coaches went to are all all trying to mirror the men's game you know they want to they want to play the men's game and so it's no surprise to me that they're trying to grab men's coaches from high profile programs uh to be in their system we get we've gotten some power five coaches that have been in our gyms and watched things. And I've had several conversations with Kelly Sheffield uh, from Wisconsin. So that that's no surprise. I think those coaches are recognizing the level that they want to play to win and compete at a high level. And they're recognizing talented coaches that are within those systems and also recognizing that they're not being paid for their talents because the men's game doesn't have the money. And so they go out and say, Hey, we'll pay you because we recognize what you can bring to the table for us. And, How do you pass that up? And it's the unfortunate part of our game where we're not in a position where you're going to see a total influx in those salaries and pays for – I mean, I'm a young coach, and I'm late 20s, early 30s, and I'm trying to get into raising my family and doing things and uh, being able to sustain and and, and do that. I need to be able to make some money to do that. And so I think uh, it's an unfortunate situation because all those coaches are talented, especially the one in front of me, so we hate to lose those uh to that side but who knows they may, may be back someday but until we influx more money into the sport in those salary positions along those lines uh it's going to be tough to keep the talent we want to and the other tough part is we've got all these added programs so you know you're going to have a uh not enough coaches to fill it's, it's a good problem to have and 40 years ago or 30 years ago the women went through it where they didn't have enough qualified coaches to coach their programs and so but there was something that Dave alluded to where administrations are going to have to give coaches from NAI or D3 and give those coaches shots at some of these places because that's what they're going to need to do to grow the game. So
0: yeah. I, I'll piggyback. And I know Dave's going to, going to have a pretty insightful thing here, but there's a couple of, <laughs> there's a couple, there's a couple of points I want to make. One is until recently the women's game <clears throat> was very much the women's game. You know, the, the front middle with the center would always run the slide. And they put a DS in the right back and everybody was playing defense in the back row. There wasn't any Bix being run. It just was what it was. Um, and what you're seeing with what, what the first change that I remember seeing, and Dave probably remembers this too, when destiny hooker got onto the national team, all of a sudden D balls were starting to be run. And that was the turning point in my eyes of seeing a high level program start to run an offense that was very much like a, a men's program, whether national <laughs> team or collegiate didn't matter over time. You started to see, and, I, and I've done a few ABCA conventions and had some seminars in this center on how to run the BIC and this and that. But Dan, Dan says, he's had coaches in his gym. I've had coaches in my gym and they all want to know how do you run it? What do you do? What's the tempo? What's, what's it look like? And over years now, we're starting to see, especially in the last five, six, seven years, especially we're starting to see BICs being run. We're starting to see D balls be run more often. Uh, It's not prevalent yet. It's not the norm, especially at the, at the lower levels, but the higher levels it's starting to change. And so I think that's, I think, you know, coaches that are immersed in it every time. Well, why don't you want that coach in your gym to be able to teach it to you and and know what to look for? I think the other thing is, and Dan hit on the head when you're a young coach, And maybe you have a wife and maybe you got a young kid, men's volleyball ain't going to pay the bills. I mean, I, I, I am very fortunate. There is no secret. I am. My wife is the breadwinner and I am allowed to be the best trophy husband I can be in my community. And I am super happy with that. It doesn't mean I make chicken feed, but she definitely makes the amount of money that allows me to not have to worry about having to keep bouncing up to the highest level program I can in order to make money. And not everybody's that lucky. And I don't have kids. that's that's the real twist is that, you know, Dan's got kids and Dave someday might have kids and you've got kids. If you had to live on my coach's salary with kids, you couldn't make it work. So the women's side, unfortunately, is able to provide that kind of income for them. And lastly, the, the reality is, you know, we, we are all good coaches to some degree, but the men's coaches really get the X's and O's and understand some specific nuances of the game when it's run at the pace that we run it, that they're just not quite used to on a regular basis. Doesn't mean that all those coaches don't know what they're doing. Please don't send me hate mail, Kelly Sheffield. No, that's what care. I just heard.
2: Yeah, Damn. I know. They're,
0: they're, you guys don't know what you're doing. No, you guys know what you're doing. But you're bringing somebody in who sees it on a daily basis and can be another set of eyes, and that's what they're really going for. You know, it's and and they're all good people. That's the best part about it. Are you kidding me? If I could have Dave in my gym every day, I'd be stoked.
1: <laughs> I feel like you should get a new Gmail account. jayshatemail at gmail.com.
2: <laughs> That's a good one.
0: <laughs>
1: That's what I need. Mean. <laughs> Dan, anything to add there? Or Dave?
2: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, these guys are, these guys are right on um, in terms of that. I mean, for me specifically, I just happen to be married to somebody that could be considered the best player in u.s history and i sort of want to see her a lot so that that sort of helps my marriage and um to do that a women's program is is what i have to do because my athletic director didn't didn't let her work uh with us so that's the reality and i got a lot of emails and texts hey is your health okay you know is pepper dying gonna go you know did you have a bunch of violations like what's happening no i, I just because that's huge my
0: wife. <laughs> did you know? did you notice on volley talk they hammered you for the first few pages and then once your release came out and they saw that you were the associate head coach and they saw the whole release all of a sudden it was like oh well that totally makes sense like dave's the guy that's going to be the way it goes <laughs> it's like my god people you were throwing him under the bus and now all of a sudden when the real story came out which is what everybody knew anyways now all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh well, we're hundred percent supportive of what you're doing <laughs> come
2: on yeah and I, and I happened yeah i I went into the office today and and all of a sudden i I walk next door, and it happens that the other associate head coach he's also an Olympian, so now <laughs> i I just get to be around these people that are much more qualified volleyball people than I am, so uh that seems to be a common theme of my volleyball career, yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> Well, with that, you know, I want to congratulate you, Dave, on your your uh, move, and you'll be missed. I mean, and I'll, I'll speak on your behalf because I, mean, I met you in the men's game. You moved to the women's national team. Then back to the men's side, you are a hardcore supporter of all volleyball. So when people are saying, oh, he's selling out of the men's game, no, you've put your work in on both sides. And I've seen it, and I've seen all those programs prosper. So you do excellent work, and I'm excited to see what you do at Texas um, as Jordan's eye candy now at her hand and, and beck and call. So that's going to be fun.
2: Thank
3: you. <laughs> All right, I way, appreciate and By the way, uh, we are taking resumes to fill Dave's spot as we work through the <laughs> summer. So feel free to send it to Jay's hate mail dot G, whatever it is <laughs> that he has, and we'll slip through it. So.
2: I just I want it to be said that I, I swept both you guys this year, so that's how I'm leaving. Is just ah! nice on top. I'll take my trophy. One in, one. So, yeah. I'm one and one. I'm one and one. That's it. fair. We did have we had some good battles. You're you're one and two, but oh, we dang it. Battles. Oh, you maybe one and you. three. We we pull.
1: oh no. They, they cut off his Wi-Fi early. Yeah, he's
2: Officially cut off his Wi-Fi. See you. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, he's back. Oh, god. He's
0: got hate mail on you now.
2: <laughs> I disappeared. Well, <laughs> no,
0: no, no, The AD said you're out. Hey, congrats, Hawaii! Way to go! Nice job, Fairfax. 2023, George Mason. We're ready to host the country out there. It's going to be an awesome time. All Can't wait James to see y'all out there. Everybody stayed at my house.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, uh, with that, I want to thank all of you guys for another year of commitment to the uh, College Volleyball Weekly and Volleyball, Volleyball Podcast. And gosh, working with you guys has made it so fun and just makes me. Treasure the game even more, because it's even more than the play, it's the relationships we build through volleyball, because we know it's a very unique community that's very tight, and yeah, we may, we may talk some hate and some jest at each other, but in the end, we all have a good time, and uh, we just love this game, so uh, Dan Friend of Lewis, Jay Hossick of George Mason, and I'm going to call Dave Hunt of Pepperdine still, because it's not midnight, but
2: I'm looking Yeah, for wait the- till midnight when they shut off my email. <laughs> <laughs> Get used yeah. to this,
0: Dave. <laughs> all right, yeah, let's do it. Oh. Hook them horns. Does that mean sick? No, no. And this is the banana <laughs> <Come> on, slugs. <laughs> you know, with the moody hey. eyes, just so you know. Like, you hook them horns, banana slugs. That's <laughs> my hey. UC Santa Cruz reference. You guys, I can't thank you enough for
1: your time this year. And we may have one more episode. We'll see if there's something that comes up here. But uh, definitely, I am beyond grateful for your guys' service and your commitment to the game. And I enjoy seeing you when I can would love to have seen you out here for the uh, NCAAs, Jay. Um, but, you know, next year, you know, it's, uh, of course, right by you, Fairfax, Virginia. Guys, uh, thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Viral Volley Podcast podcast. Be sure to follow Rob at RobOnTheMic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook or at RobOnTheMike.com. Check it next time.